in week three of this series, Be Still. And uh, we're focusing on being still and knowing the Lord and what that looks like. Um, How do you be still? Last week, Pastor Ryan talked about uh, being a worshiper. And it's my honor this morning to fill in the pulpit for him and to speak this morning. Uh, They are out of town tonight. He is running a half marathon. So today is a day of prayer and fasting for our pastor that he will return in one piece next week and be able to stand on his legs and preach. And uh, look forward to having them back. Be sure that you go online and register uh, for the uh, Dream Team uh, dessert party this Friday. You want to make sure that you're, list, you're, you're included in that. And then while you're online, check out the unique experience that we have the first week of December. It's an intensive uh, if you've not done the unique experience yet, I want to highly recommend it. Um, if you're in a season of discerning uh, God next, God's next steps in your life, um, if there's some dissatisfaction, if there's some unease, if there's some, you know, I think life is, is, is more than this. Um, I have, I've seen a lot of tools out there to help you understand your goals, a mission, vision, talent, passions, all those types of things. And this is the greatest tool I've ever seen in this regard. Uh, Transform my life. Um, back in um, around April, um, I was looking to do the unique experience. I'd heard about it. I heard great things about it. I knew that Pastor Ryan was involved with it. So I texted him one day and I was like, hey, I'm looking to do unique. Do you know where I can get in on one at? And he goes, yeah, we're doing it at Lifehouse in San Antonio, May. Come on down. And so I did. And that right there began the journey to us now being here and being on staff. And um, uh, this opportunity opened up. We also, through the unique experience, I began to just really see how God was uh, um, calling me into missions and pastoral ministry simultaneously. And, uh, and so we are here. We're a product of Unique, and I just couldn't recommend it more. It's $300. It's a still. It's a $2,000 value. Uh, the church has made provision for you to experience it, so take us up on it. $200 for the material, $100 for food. Uh, you don't want to miss out on it. So you can find all about that on our website. And then if you are wanting to go to Columbia and the deadline came on Friday and you forgot, we've extended it through today. So we have just a few more spots, like three or four more spots. So if you want to go to Columbia in January, get us your um, registration, get us your deposit, and, and we'll, we'll get you on that trip. So week three of Be Still. So a few years ago, I read this article about a 29-year-old rescue driver in, um, from Lake Norman, North Carolina. He was a rescue diver, and he was a volunteer captain with his local fire department, and he had been called to rescue a young man who had disappeared under the water while swimming. And so he goes in for this rescue dive, and he ends up, this rescue diver ends up dying in the process. Uh, he dies, and so they, they, you know, they recover the body, and their first thought was that he had had equipment failure, that something had gone wrong with his equipment, that something had broken down. But as they really began to look into the details of what happened, and they did an autopsy, they realized that it actually wasn't equipment failure. He had actually had an embolism that had caused his death. He was running out of air, and he surfaced too quickly. He didn't stop. Um, he bypassed all of his training. He, he didn't do what he was trained to do. He didn't allow his body to recondition itself to each level. He just surfaced too quickly. And, and when he did that, air bubbles formed, caused blockage in his arteries. It shut off his needed, the needed oxygen. And then death finally occurred. And this is what his dad said. His dad said, my son loved what he did. He loved helping people. He was passionate about what he loved. And the story sat on so many levels, and 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 you see, this young man was passionately trying to rescue someone else, but in the act of trying to help other help others, he himself 
became a victim. And I think some of us may be in the same situation, even today, that our lives are so busy. We're trying to provide for others. We're trying to take care of others. We're trying to add value to people's lives. We're just trying to keep up with the busyness and the pace of life that if we're not careful, we can lose ourselves in the process. It's like when you're flying on the plane and, and I know nobody pays attention, right? Like, you know, the flight attendants are giving the information and everybody's on their phone, they're reading magazines and you're thinking around going, I really hope we don't go down because nobody has a clue what's going to happen. Either that or everybody just remembers it from all the other times they've flown. Because what are you supposed to do if you lose cabin pressure and the mask drops from the ceiling? What are you, who's supposed to get the mask first? That's right. Why is that, right? Because unless you yourself are okay, you're not going to be able to take care of others. And our being still and knowing God has absolutely has to do with our relationship with the Lord, has to do our walk with him. But it's not only limited to that. It's also about what God wants to do in us and through us and make a difference in the life of others. And that happens as we're still and we know him because then we have actually have something to give. Because if all I have to give is Jay, I'm telling you, you're not getting very much. What people need is Jesus more than they need Jay. And if Jay hasn't been with Jesus, then there's no Jesus to give. And as we're with Jesus and we're able to have him in our life in such a way to really be able to share that with others. So this morning we're gonna be talking about rhythms. Rhythms in our life. And I'm, I've been thinking a lot about rhythms because we just moved here seven weeks ago and it feels like our life has no rhythm. I don't know if you've ever moved, but it's, you have to discover new rhythms for everything, new rhythms for working out, um, for trying not to eat at all the fantastic restaurants that are in San Antonio, Texas. Oh, man. Um, devotional time, quiet time with the Lord, sleep patterns. Because, I mean, the first month I lived here, it was like the sun didn't come up till like 8 o'clock, you know? And, it's, and so then I adapted, and then the time changed, and it's, it's just all these just different rhythms. And the weather like, what's the rhythm to weather around here? Is there one? I don't know. But just trying to understand rhythms. Rhythms are such an important part of our life. And, and Jesus even talks about rhythms. In Matthew chapter 11, he gives us his invitation. This is a message paraphrase. He says, are you tired? You don't have to, you don't, we don't have to raise our hands this morning, but just think about that. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. You see the relationship here? This isn't a command. This is an invitation. He's saying, come with me in this. He goes, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. These rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. He's saying, be still and know that I am God. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, when you think about rhythm, rhythm is more than just a repetition of a beat. I mean, that's what we think of with rhythm, but, but I was researching rhythm because I was thinking about rhythm and, and I discovered that there are three components to rhythm. There's tempo, there's content, and then there's quality. The tempo. What's the tempo of your life like? What's the pace of your life like? What's the content of your life like? What are you putting into your life? What's the quality of your life? Now, quality doesn't mean ease, okay? But what's the, what's the quality of your life? If you think about these things, it begins to help you understand rhythms. And then, we, and then we get to see how he invites us, Jesus invites us to learn. 
That means it doesn't come naturally. That means we don't already know it. It's, it's, it's something he wants to impart to us. So we would learn his rhythms of grace that we would be still and know that he is God. And so I want to talk to you about two rhythms this morning. One rhythm is a daily rhythm. The other rhythm is a weekly rhythm, a daily rhythm and a weekly rhythm. And I believe these are two anchor points that if you will walk in these and be still and know the Lord daily and weekly, that regardless of the storms that happen in your life, because storms will happen, won't they? Difficult things happen. Psalms 46, which is our anchor passage here, talks about uh, the Lord being a refuge in the midst of storm, in the midst of great difficulty. Then the busyness of life happens, the anxiety of life, the stress of life happens, that if you're anchored with the daily um, walking with the Lord, this um, abiding in the presence of Jesus on a daily basis, and then weekly withdrawing and, and, and getting your tank filled weekly and daily, that these will be anchor points that will really help you learn his unforced rhythm of grace, to be still and know that he is Lord, that, that you'll be able to handle what life will throw at you. I, I have this reoccurring thing that happens in my life that when electronic devices don't work, and I call the IT person that I need help from, they always ask me one question. You know what that question is? They say, have you powered it off yet? Have you powered the device? I don't know why I'm doing it. Have you, when's the last time you held a phone like that? Like four decades ago? I don't know. But, but if you have a device, whether it's a computer, whether it's a copier, whether it's a, a phone, um, you know, whatever it might be, what's the first thing they ask you? They, they say, have you powered it down yet? Because our devices are wired in such a way that when they power down, they reset, they recalibrate, they just, it fixes some stuff. And the Lord's made us in a similar way that we need to disengage. We need to unplug. When, when things aren't working right in life, don't just try harder. Don't just go faster. Actually, disengage, unplug power down, be still, and know that he is God. And when you do that, it truly recalibrates, it really resets some things in our life. When we, when we practice the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude, it resets, it reorientates our life away from just the busyness of what's going on to Jesus himself. And we see Jesus set this pattern for us. If Jesus needed silence and solitude, if Jesus needed to get away how much more so do we, if he needed to be with his father, how much more so do we need to do that as well? And so, um, so we're going to talk about diverting daily, uh, just getting away with the Lord daily. And, and so I'm just going to read several passages here just real quickly. Some of them will be on your screen. Some of them won't. And it's interesting to me that most of them that I'm going to read are from the gospel of Mark because Mark is the action gospel. If you want to read about the miracles of Jesus, the book of Mark is the book to do it in because it's just full of the miracles of Jesus. But in the midst of all this activity, in the midst of all this busyness, we see Jesus continually unplugging. We see Jesus continually pulling away. So here we go. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And it says, And early in the morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out, and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. Mark 6, 45. It's in, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethesda, while he himself was sending the multitudes away. After bidding them farewell, he departed to the mountain to pray. Like business is good, right? 
Jesus' healing ministry is good. Uh, things are exploding. Great things are happening. And does he just make it bigger? No, he actually moves away from the crowds. He actually moves away from all the activity so that he can recharge, so he can be with the Father. Mark 12, or Mark 14, says, They came to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took Peter, James, and John and, and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch, lest you fall into temptation. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell to the ground and began praying. Here Jesus is he's experiencing great stress, great anxiety, great pressure. He's feeling literally the weight of the whole world come upon him. And he gets alone. He unplugs. He disengages. He powers down in order to power up. See, that's what happens. That's the whole point of be still and know God is we have to power down in order to actually be able to power up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter four, it says, and when day came, he departed to a lonely place and the multitudes were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. They're, they're no, Jesus, stay with us, be here with us. You read all through scripture, you find all through scripture where Jesus is continually disappointing people. That people have agendas for Jesus' life. That they have plans for Jesus. They have stuff Jesus want, they want Jesus to do. And he is continually disappointing them because he is following the Father's agenda not their agenda. And I just want to challenge you that as you reorientate your life, as you, um, the world around you is going at a pace that they, the world, want, the culture around us wants us to continue at this same pace. And when you choose not to, you're going to disappoint some people. When you choose not to, you're going to cause some people, so you're going to, there's going to be some unmet expectations that people are going to have for you that you aren't going to meet. And you're just going to have to be okay with it. You're just going to, and, and I like to please people. And so if you're like me and you like to please people, it can just drive you crazy. But at the end of the day, I'd rather please my father than, than those around me. And so, and it doesn't mean you like don't give them a warning. You let them know, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disengaged for the next 24 hours. I'm, I'm, I'm checked out. It's, it's, I mean, you can communicate it and obviously you do your job. I'm not talking about like not doing work. I'm just talking about not running at the pace that the rest of the world runs at, knowing that you will, you, you, there will be people that will be disappointed in you. There'll be people who have unmet expectations of you. But have you ever realized you can't meet them all anyway? Right? So, so we might as well focus on our relationship with the Lord. And you know you don't see in the Bible is you don't see Jesus busy. Have you ever noticed that? Like, even when you act with people, when you ask somebody, how are you doing? What's like almost always the first thing people say? Oh man, I'm busy. I'm, and like it's a badge of honor, like it's something to be proud of. But Jesus was never busy. Now we know the devil's busy. It says he runs to and fro all over the earth just looking to cause trouble. But we don't see Jesus being busy in the Bible. We see him having activity. We see him fruitful. We see him effective. But we don't see him busy. And I think we can learn from that. I think we can learn from his unforced rhythms of grace. That, as it says in Luke 5, but he would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. If Jesus needed to do that, how much more do we need to do that? Because we know that Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, and he only said what he heard the Father say. It means he was around the Father enough that he had relationship with him, that he knew him, that he heard words he spoke, and he 
saw his actions. And, 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 and that's, that's important for us to know that, you know, so many times our prayer life, like, is one way. And have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they were the only ones that did the talking? Like, nonstop, just, and they just talk, 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 and, and, and then and you finish the conversation, they, and they're like, oh, it's so great to talk to you. And I, yeah, I bet it was, right? Because you were the only one talking. I think that's how we are with God sometimes, right? I mean, he, we just, you know, we have our, okay, I got 10 minutes, God, or I got five minutes. We just rattle off our prayer requests. We just talk to him in prayer constantly, and then we're, we're, we're done. Amen. And we move on with our day, and he's just like, you, would you care to hear what I have to say about this? We've moved on, and, and we're like that person we don't want to be in our relationship with the Lord. And, 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 but once we're still and we're quiet, we let him talk to us, like we just, those unforced rhythms of grace, to be still and know that I am God. The word know in Greek, epinosko, is, is an experiential knowledge. It's not a head knowledge. It's an experiencing knowledge. And it's, it's kind of like in junior high, I went to junior high, this guy maybe you've heard of, his name's Blake Shelton. I don't know, maybe, maybe you've heard of him. And, and so Blake and I were in, right, like I act like we're great friends, don't I? But, but we went to junior high together, and it was a small school. I graduated with 31 people um, right outside of Ada, Oklahoma, a little school called Latta. And so there were 31 of us in our graduating class. Blake was a couple years younger. He actually ended up transferring, I think, in junior high. But I knew his older sister, Indy. I Dated his cousin Misty and his other cousin Jeff and I were great friends, grew up together. So, you know, if I call Blake, I doubt Blake's going to take a phone call from Jay Bean. But if somebody asked me, do you know Blake Shelton? I would say, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, kind of. But if somebody asked me if I knew Heather Bean, sitting here on the front row, whom we will celebrate, we will celebrate 25 years of marriage this summer. Yeah. She deserves all of that because she had to put up with me. Like, I'm telling you, that's a miracle. But it really is. <laughs> 25, I mean, I know Heather. Like, I know her strengths. I mean, if she had any weaknesses, I would know what those are. Um, I know her rhythms. I know her patterns. I mean, I know Heather 25 years. Like, I know her. I don't know Blake. Like, I know about Blake. I knew a guy named Blake in junior high but I don't know him. I know Heather. And that's what this is. It's not, about, it's not knowing about God. It's not knowing about his word. It's not knowing about religion. It's, hey, would you, he's an invitation to us. Would you be still? Would you be in my presence long enough to really know me, know who I am, and, and, and operate outside of that? And there's something within us that just resists it. There's something within us that you just we're just, I don't know if it's our fallen nature, it's the culture we're in, it's all of it, but we just go on, we go a mile a minute, I and mean, we're just going fast all the time. We just go, 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 and, and I think our lives are kind of like our, our, our phones, our smartphones, and I don't know if you know this or not, but unless you close your apps out in your phone, or unless you power down regularly your phone, you'll have all these apps running in the background. And I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about that and about how those apps that are running in the background all the time are slowing down the processing speed of your phone and they're draining your battery. And so I thought, well, I wonder how many open apps I have on my phone. And so I, I checked it. 107 open apps on my phone. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no wonder it's running slow, right? But no wonder we run slow. No wonder we get ragged. No wonder our batteries run down, right? Because we're like that. Our minds are, are, we have all these things going on in our hearts and our minds and our soul and, our acti- and all of our activity, all this, act- all this activity, all this stuff just going on in the background and we don't even realize it until we take time to be still and we feel the shock in it. It's like hitting a brick wall. It's like, whoa, why is it so hard to be quiet and still for five minutes? Why does it feel so unnatural? Why is it we just, we feel this And so I think if we will really begin to be still, be alone with the Lord, allow him to just really just work in our hearts and our lives. Do you guys, do you guys remember when you were in school and, and there'd be a kid who would, you know, when class was happening, they would, a teacher wasn't paying attention. They would crawl under the seat, like, and they would tie the person's shoes in front of them together tie their shoestrings together so when they got up, they tripped and they fell. You guys ever know anybody that would do that? I mean, I never did that ever, not once. I would never do anything like that, but maybe you knew somebody that would. Yeah. Or have you ever got your own shoelaces, you know, tied in knots? Or how about your kids, right? Your kids get their, their, their shoes all knotted. What's the first thing you say to them when you need to untie the knots? Like, hey, would you please be still? Like, I can't untie the knots in your shoes if you're running around. I need you to stop. I need you to be still so I can untie these knots. I think there's some knots in our soul. I think there's some knots in our heart, some things that maybe have been done to us, like the punk kid that tied knots in other people's shoes. Or maybe it's just stuff that's happened in life of nobody's fault. It's just life. And we have these knots in our soul, and the Lord's saying, which, it's, again, it's not this... It's not this heavy burden. It's this invitation of, would you be still? Would you let me unknot the knots in your heart and your soul? That can only happen when you stop long enough to really be with me and let me do these things in your life. Let me work these knots out in your life. I really believe silence and solitude are some of the hardest spiritual disciplines to incorporate in our life because of the culture we find ourselves in. And, and I like to think of it this way. I think we have like this be still muscle, right? A be still muscle that, that uh, if you, as you know, muscles get, how do muscles get stronger, right? They get stronger by use, don't they? So the more demand that's placed on them, the stronger they get, the more endurance that you get as you build muscles. Well, I believe we have this muscle, this, it's imaginary, but this, imagine with me, a be still muscle. And I believe for many of us, our be still muscle is pretty atrophied. It's pretty weak because it hasn't been used much. And I really believe through this series, the Lord is wanting to build and strengthen our be still muscle. And it's just like if you're going to go run. Okay, yeah, Pastor Ryan's running a half marathon, right? Like there's training that has to go into that. I don't know if he's done any training for this half marathon. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see next week. I, I'm with him a lot. Um, and, and, but there's greater endurance that happens. And if you're not building your endurance then it's, you need that, don't you? And, and so it is with muscle. The more, the more you lift, you know, if you, how many, if you lift 10 pounds, right, um, 20 times every day, are you going to get any stronger? No, at some point, you got to go to 25 pounds. You got to go to 50 pounds. You got to increase the reps. You got to hold it longer. You got to release it slower. So you build that endurance. So you build that muscle. And so it is that it's not just 
we stop for 60 seconds and, oh, okay, I was quiet before the Lord. Now, what if, what if you work to build the endurance, the strength of your be still muscle? That our devotional time isn't, you see, even our time with the Lord, it's all about what we do, not really about us just being with him. It's, okay, did I read my Bible? Did I do my devotional? Did I say my prayer? Did, it's working through this list so often, and that's really, I believe the Lord has something so much better for us than that. That it's this abiding in the presence of God. It's this walking in the spirit of the Lord, of this communion with him. It's this John 15, being the vine and the branches of just walking in communion with him. It's not about what we, it's not about what accomplishes, what's accomplished in our time with him. It's that we're with him, that we're being changed by him, that we're abiding in his presence. And so, um, and that can't just happen in 30 seconds. It can't just happen in 45 seconds. It's like, okay, God, you got a minute. I mean, how ridiculous does that sound, right? But that's, that's kind of how we can be at times. But I really believe, and I've experienced this in my own life, it's been one of the greatest um, catapults in my own spiritual life is just developing this be still muscle, just to be still before him. And this is how I started. How I started was I'd take a timer on my phone, I'd set it for two minutes, and now you have to like turn it face down, otherwise you'll just watch the clock the whole time. But you, you set it for two minutes, and then you just, I would say something like, Jesus, would you, would you be close to me? Would you come, Lord Jesus? And I just take a deep breath. And I'm not, I'm not like meditating like, um, I mean, I'm like, I'm, Lord, I'm focused on you. I'm, I'm, my mind is set on you. And when these distracting thoughts come, I just, Lord Jesus, be close to me. I just reorient orientate myself to him. and Do that for two minutes. And then maybe read a psalm or read a psalm first to quiet your mind and heart. And then be still for two or three minutes. And then, and then just, if there's something on your heart to say to the Lord, just pray. Just tell him, and it's not formal, just tell him what's going on in your day, how much you love him, just thank him, just interact with him. And then, this is key, follow up again with just quiet and stillness before the Lord. And you can start with two minutes. And, and, and see what you're doing then is you've talked to him and now you're giving him an opportunity to talk to you. And we just stop and we just listen. Say, Jesus, be close to me. Start with two minutes. And I would encourage you to work up and do it twice a day, in the morning, in the evening. If you can do it at lunch, I'm telling you, it will change your day. And try to increase your endurance to five minutes. And then increase your endurance to eight minutes and 10 minutes. And I'm telling you, if you can just sit and be quiet in the presence of the Lord for 20 minutes, you, it is not a waste of time. The Lord can do more of you just sitting in his presence for 20 minutes than you could do on your own and, and all kinds of time. I'm just, it's hard for me to explain how powerful it is, but just, just try it, okay? Just try it. Just, just experiment with it and see what it does in your life. Just be quiet before him. Because we live in this world that's so fast-paced, and, and we, just, we don't like limits, do we? We don't like limits. I don't like limits. I don't like caloric limits. I don't like financial limits. I don't like time limits. But the Lord has given us limits. And if we'll embrace the limits that he's given us, it actually allows us to function as he's intended us to. And so some of those limits are being with him daily and then observing a Sabbath, of being with him. That's part of the limits. And you know what happens if you violate limits? If you go past limits, burn out, burn up. I mean, it doesn't... It just doesn't work. Uh, several years ago, we were remodeling a house we bought in Missouri. And as we were remodeling this house, I'd never had an attic fan. 
And, uh, and we had an attic fan, and we also had an air conditioner, and they were on the same breaker, and I didn't know that. And, and, and I discovered that if your air conditioner on the thermostat was switched on auto, or, and, and, and it was on, and then if you had the, the uh, um, attic fan on, that it would kick off, it would flip a breaker. And because you're trying to run too much power on the same breaker at the same time. And I thought, you know what? That's pretty genius of the builder because you shouldn't be running an air conditioner or an attic fan at the same time, right? That just doesn't work. And even our electronics, uh, our electrical systems have these limits built into them. Um, One time we were remodeling the church we pastored, major, major remodel, and we were redoing all the lighting systems. And I wanted to put bigger lights in than what our breakers uh, would work, would, would allow. And the electricians are like, you can't, we can't put those in. The breakers, uh, they're, they're, there's too much load for the breakers. I'm like, okay, well, let's just put in bigger breakers. Yeah, some of you know the elect- electronics are like, no, you can't do that. Electricians are like, you can't just put in a bigger breaker. There's a load capacity. There's the wiring. There's all these limits that are built in. And the breaker is at that is it, is it that level for a reason? And then he said something that blew my mind. He said, not only should you not exceed the capacity, he goes, there's actually supposed to be margin built in. And I thought, oh my, how many of us have margin in our life? Now we're running everything to the limit. We're flipping proverbial breakers in our life. We're burned up, we're stressed, and we're wondering why. Well, this series helps us to fix it, helps us to disengage from that of, well, the series does, and it's when we do the series, right? It's when we are actually being still and knowing God. And so Sabbath is one of, these, one of these limits that the Lord is inviting us into. So we divert daily, and we we're have an invitation withdraw weekly. The Sabbath is a reminder that our time and our life belong to the Lord, that we belong to the Lord. And I use the word Sabbath because it's a Hebrew word, it's, it's, so this concept is not just a good idea. It's actually one of the big 10, one of the 10 commandments. And to, to observe the Sabbath, it's a holy day. It's set apart that we're to observe it under the Lord. And, 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 and that's how serious it is. It's actually one of the big 10. That if we, I mean, if, 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 I mean, if there was a conversation about adultery or murder, most people would be like, oh, I know. It's just, you're just busy. I know. They got in your way. You had to murder them because you were just busy. You had to get on with your day. But a Sabbath, violate the Sabbath. Oh, I was busy. I didn't have it. Oh, yeah, I bet you were. Yeah. It's just this disconnect that, that this really is serious, that, that the Sabbath is, is a very serious thing. And so the, the Hebrew word means to stop, to cease, or to keep. And so Sabbath, this is, all, this is simply what it is. It's a 24-hour period where you cease from your vocation and you dedicate that time to the Lord. You cease from your vocation, and you dedicate that time to the Lord. And this is a tricky deal. It's we don't stop because we're finished. How many of you are ever finished with responsibilities in life, right? We're never finished. You don't stop because you're finished. We stop because it's time to stop. And what Sabbath does is Sabbath requires surrender to surrender. Lord, I trust you. That Lord, I can trust you that you can run the universe for the next 24 hours without me. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but don't we sometimes live that way? Like the whole world revolves around us that we keep this whole thing going and if we really disengage, that everybody's life is going to fall apart. 
Well, if people's lives fall apart because you disengage for 24 hours, you're living your life wrong. Like, there's, your life is not set up right if, you, if you're not able to disengage because we have instruction from Scripture. This is what we're supposed to do. We're, we're supposed to surrender this. Now, I love the Hobby Lobby story. I don't like to shop at Hobby Lobby. Don't care to go into the store at all, but I like the Hobby Lobby story uh, because, and this is an article from a Tulsa World newspaper from June 11th, 1999. I mean, it's not the actual newspaper. It's a, it's a print off off the internet, but this is an article. It says, Hobby Lobby phases in Sunday closings, all right? So on the seventh day, Hobby Lobby Stores, Inc. will rest. Beginning August 1st, the company's 38 stores, remember that number, 38 stores in Oklahoma and Colorado will be closed on Sundays. By adopting the policy, the Oklahoma City-based craft and hobby shop chain will be closer to fulfilling its company purpose, honoring the Lord in all we do by operating the company in a manner consistent with biblical principles, says Bill Haynes, Vice President of Advertising. Hobby Lobby, and here's, here's this is another number to remember, 196. So Hobby Lobby, a 196-store chain operating in 20 states, has staggered the plan by state to ease the financial impact of the commitment. However, when complete, the program could represent a 100 million annual loss for the company. Like, what company wants to lose 100 million dollars a year? You know, so it's a huge commitment to principle rather than dollars. We're committed to this regardless of sales. But in some of our markets in which we've closed our sales on Sundays, we're starting to see a portion of sales regained as customers adjust their shopping habits. He goes on to say, we believe if we do the right thing, the numbers will take care of themselves. 196 stores decades ago. Now, 850 stores. 33,000 employees. Five billion in sales annually when the retail market is tanking. How many know they're doing okay? Yes. Right? Following principles rather than the dollars. There has to become a point where we say, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to trust you with the results. I'm going to trust you with the outcome. You've invited me take 24 hours out a day. In fact, with the Ten Commandments, it's actually an instruction, a command to take 24 hours a day and set it aside for him. So what do you do on a Sabbath? What do you do? That's, whenever I, I try to teach people about Sabbath, whenever I talk about that, the question is, well, what do you do? Can I just say that's like a very American question. What do you do on the day you're not supposed to be doing anything, right? It's like you're missing the point. It's not about doing, but what do we fill our 24 hours with, okay? Well, I actually have a document I have at the information table. It's about three or four pages. I think you'll find it happy, helpful. I couldn't get all my content in here this morning, so I thought, well, you can take it home and you can read it if you're interested in it. But here's some things that, and it's much more in that, but here's just a few things. Number one is stop work. Cease all work. Embrace our limits. Recognize we're never going to meet all of our goals. We're never going to get everything done. Jesus is Lord. We are not. And we say, Lord, I stop. I unplug. We don't stop because we finish. We stop because it's time to stop and we surrender. Second thing we do is we enjoy rest. 
we can accept the Father's invitation to rest. He modeled it for us. He created everything in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And he set it aside and he made it holy. It was the seventh day. But what's interesting for mankind is he made mankind on the sixth day. And so for mankind, the very first day of the week was Sabbath. How many of you know first impressions are important, aren't they? Like when you first meet a, poor, a person, it's important. Imagine Adam and Eve meeting God, okay? Day one, vacation. Day one, hey, it's a day off. We're just gonna hang out and play today. Tomorrow starts dominating the earth. Tomorrow you start you know, ruling the earth. But today, it's play day. It's fun day. Enjoy all of this creation. That's how man started. See, we don't Sabbath to rest and to recover from what's happened in life. The way God's instructed, the way he's really set it up, is that we Sabbath and, and we work out of our Sabbath. We Sabbath ahead that, that our rest today is not, oh, man, I just got to recover from this last week. No, it's I rest today, I Sabbath today so that I can be full for what God has me to give out this week as I go about and I be salt and light in the world that he has placed me in. And so enjoy rest. Enjoy it. Have fun. Have fun. Um, another question I often get is, how do you make time for Sabbath? You know, it's so busy. How do you make time? Um, you know what's interesting is that we think as people we can make time and we can kill time. Can I say that we think too highly of ourselves? How do you make time? You can't make time. God's the only one who makes time. He made time. He's in charge of time. We steward time. So it's not about making time. It's about stewarding the time that he has already given to us. He's already set aside a Sabbath. We just respond to that. And, and let me just say this. Like, you have to figure out what works for you and your family in that moment. What Sabbath looked like for us when our kids are little is different than what it looks like for us now. But I think if you have the elements of, of stopping, if you have the elements of rest, if you have the elements of recreation, recreating is what recreation means. Do something fun today. Like today, you, the day you Sabbath, I work today, so I Sabbath um, Friday evenings and Saturdays or, or Friday during the day. I, it depends on the rhythm. Um, but you typically, it's, it's all day Friday for me is my Sabbath. But for you, today is probably your Sabbath. Have fun today. Today should be the most fun day of the week. You should have more fun today than any day. That there's a 24-hour period. Maybe it started last night and it goes through till tonight because tonight you've got to get ready for tomorrow. But there's a 24-hour period where you just enjoy life and then worship. Worship is the fourth element because the difference between a day off and Sabbath is worship. That's the difference. And so we want to worship him. We want to be close to him. I want to finish with this one last story. Dan Butner did a study called The Blue Zone. I read about this study, and it fascinated me because in The Blue Zone, he was looking for groups around the world who lived longer and healthier lives. Anybody here want to live longer and healthier? Yeah, so he was searching the world. Where do people live longer and healthier? He identified groups that lived about a dozen years longer on average than the general population. All the groups did the kinds of things you would expect. They didn't smoke. They had a diet low in animal fat. They walked a lot. They valued family and relationships. And in the U.S., the community that met the criteria was in Loma Linda, California. And what's interesting about that is it's a dominant Seventh-day Adventist 
community. Seventh-day Adventists are Sabbath keepers. They keep the seventh day, the Sabbath, which is Saturday. And on average, this cohort in Loma Linda lived 12 years longer than the rest of America. Okay, mathematicians, are you ready for this? I'm going to read you a fascinating statistic. If you take the number of Sabbaths that they observe per year, which are 52, and you multiply by their average lifespan, then you divide that number by 365, you end up with about a dozen years. In other words, the number of extra years they live is roughly the equivalent to the number of days kept Sabbath-keeping. Isn't that fascinating? That the Lord... See, we think when we accept the limits of the Lord, we can tend to think that we're losing out. I promise you, surrendering to what the Lord has, you will never, ever lose out on anything. So this morning, I want to invite you to respond, to surrender to his invitation to be still and know him. This morning, will you surrender to God's invitation to be still and to know him? Psalm 23 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What if, he didn't have to, what if he didn't have to make us lie down? What if we chose on our own volition to lie down in green pastures with him? Psalm 4610, the, the anchor passage that we've had says this. It says, be still and know that I am God. And then listen to what follows. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, what comes out of us being still and knowing him is that his purposes get extended through the earth, that he gets glorified through all of the earth. Because at the end of the day, it's not about just us. It's about what he wants to do in us so what he can do through us and that he can reach the nations through us. But, it, but it's going to occur. It's going to happen when we are still and we know him. Would you pray with me this morning?